0: The scary part is that Herschel Walker had a chance and he almost won. I've been saying now for months that Herschel Walker never should have even had a shot in a country that made sense with voters with some connection to reality. Someone like Herschel Walker never should have even won the Republican nomination in Georgia to be senator. Never mind getting 49 percent of the vote, roughly. Uh, in the general election in Georgia, which is what happened in the runoff. And there's a couple of good articles and one that I want to highlight in particular that makes this case. Jack Holmes wrote uh, a couple days ago in Esquire, Herschel Walker lost. But it's a very bad sign that he had any chance at all. There was a shark in the pool and nobody got bit. But why were so many people cheering for the shark in the pool and the article? makes points that are not altogether surprising. But the point that we've been making and that Jack Holmes makes is that although it's a good thing that Herschel Walker lost, he barely did. And the fact that he almost became one of 100 senators in the United States is certainly emblematic and indicative. Of a much bigger and scarier problem in the United States and uh, in the article, Jack Holmes writes, it feels almost unnecessary at this point to run through Herschel Walker's record as a national political candidate. He's running in Georgia, but said in a campaign speech, he lives in Texas, et cetera, et cetera. But as you read down the article, it explains the answer for a lot of people to the question, why make Herschel Walker a senator? seemed to be that if Walker wasn't elected, those people, Democrats, Marxists, you know, who the hell knows, would control the Senate. And by the time that the election came up on Tuesday, that was no longer the issue because we knew that at minimum Democrats would have a 50 50 majority with Kamala Harris as the tie breaking vote. Um, And so it became more about who gets power And who do Republicans vote for and what are the principles here and who are the backers of this guy? And when you zoom out and you think about what happened, you realize that this was really the worst of the worst of Republican politics at this point in time. What do I mean by that? Well, it's basically at least three different things. Number one, for many Republican voters and for the GOP establishment, the RNC. At the end of the day, it's simply about is there a Democrat that we can prevent from winning somewhere? It doesn't matter who we put in place. So the no Democrats ever is a big part of this. And later on in this uh, in this part of the show, we're actually going to look at a Republican who is saying it's not about no Democrats, no matter what. It actually does depend who the Republican is. And Mitt Romney is that guy. We'll get to that a little bit later. So you've got the listen, Warnock's a Democrat. We can't have that. That's number one. Number two, you have the MAGA non MAGA split. So it has to be acknowledged that the other factor here is that Herschel Walker is sort of a MAGA cult type candidate. And as we know from following Trump in 2016 and 2020 and into 2022's midterms through his endorsements and now as a 2024 candidate, it is a cult. And one of the things about the cult is when the cult leader tells you this is the guy in this particular case, uh, you accept that you accept that and you don't question it. And Donald Trump said this is the guy and uh, it failed, fortunately, but the MAGA cultists accepted it. So that's another layer to this. You've got better than a Democrat no matter what. Cult candidate, okay. And then you have the third part of this, which is the voters more broadly. And this goes beyond cult or not cult, but it's the general problem in the United States of how there really is no bar. There's no bar for the majority of the Republican electorate. Big picture. Now, that doesn't mean they'll literally vote for anyone in a primary. But Trump 2016 was instructive of that. Why did Trump run as a Republican and not as a Democrat? He really was, at least loosely speaking, a Democrat, it seems most of his life. But it was because there is some standard on the Democratic Party side. It's not anyone can get the nomination just if they come up with the right things to say, even if they completely contradict 68 years of their lives, as did Trump on issues of religion and abortion and other things. The Republican Party has no such bar. And so because of that, we saw that they were gullible enough to go for it in 2016. And then it was sort of a path dependence that got them there in 2020 as well. Those are really the three things that this is about. And as it applies to Herschel Walker, we're all glad he lost Herschel Walker in the U.S. Senate would be a humiliation to this country and it would be a humiliation in so many different ways. Great, we dodged the bullet, and not by very much. I think it's important to say, under a hundred thousand votes, if I'm recalling correctly. But he had a shot, and as we saw in 2016 with Trump, sometimes you don't dodge the bullet, and then in 20 we did dodge it. And so let's not take away. There, there's people emailing me saying, "We made it, we made it." The 2022 midterms they weren't as bad as they could have been. Yes, they weren't as bad as they could have been, but. They were almost so bad that they could be that bad or worse in 2024. We don't want to allow that to happen. Donald Trump's Jewish allies are begging him, begging him to condemn Kanye West. And Trump is reportedly refusing. There's a very good article in Rolling Stone. Trump's Jewish allies are begging him to condemn Kanye. He's refusing. Prominent Jewish and human rights leaders are circulating a letter asking the former president to distance himself from Kanye West and Nick Fuentes. They were the people that had the the dinner with Trump the other day. A Trump adviser responds. I've seen it and I do not care. I encourage you to read the entire article. There's a couple different things that are important to talk about here. Number one, it is appalling, appalling that Trump still has Jewish friends that in and of itself doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Oh, but David, sir, the uh, his his daughter converted to Judaism and his grandkids. None of that. This is not about that. It's not even really about Trump's personal beliefs about Jews, although. Sure. I I mean, I think we kind of have a sense of what they are, but it's about the factions that Trump gives credibility to by not denouncing or condemning. Now to really understand a lot of the entire Jewish Republican thing, this is as good an opportunity as any to remind folks in the audience that support for Israel in the vague way that evangelical Christians, quote, support Israel and support for American Jews could not possibly be more dramatically different things. Okay, right wing support for Israel is primarily based in evangelicals who believe for biblical reasons that Jews running Israel is a step towards the return of Jesus Christ. Now, I know some of you will say and I'm realizing I don't have my uh, headphone on and I'm going to need it for the next segment. I'm just going to put it on while we chat. There are people who will say, oh, but David, these folks love Israel. They just they love, love, love Israel. They love it, not because of any concern for anti-Semitism or anti-Jewish discrimination or whatever the case may be. They love it because they see it as a path to bringing back Jesus. That's what it is. American Jews have completely different beliefs and ideas, et cetera, et cetera. And just because you see a right winger, a Republican kowtowing to Israel in the particular sense that evangelical Christians like it doesn't mean that they are supportive of American Jews or for even understand never mind are going to fight against anti-Semitism. So that's number one. Unfortunately, some Republican Jews ignore that and they throw in support with Republican candidates. Fortunately, it's relatively few because American Jews are one of the most left wing voting blocks in the country. Uh, American Jews, um, black folks, two of the most left wing voting groups. Trump also has black allies. Right. So it's not completely uh, uh, incredible that he has Jewish allies as well, even though if even though it doesn't really make any sense based on policy. But the most important aspect of this to understand is Trump sees people as objects, tools or a means to an end. And we saw when those folks are no longer useful to him, he dumps them, flushes them 10 to 15 times. And unfortunately, there are certain people that don't get this and they get tricked. And we're seeing it now once again with Jewish voters. But it seems this may be the end of the line for Trump's Jewish supporters. We'll see. There will always be some Mitt Romney was asked the other day. Will you vote for Trump if he's the 2024 Republican nominee? This is an interesting question because there are many Republicans who are starting to say things like I would rather a different nominee. I would prefer that we just nominate someone different and that it not be up to me to decide on Election Day. Do I vote for Trump or not? Let's just pick a different nominee. Mitt Romney is speaking with a clarity that many Republicans are not speaking with. Now, this is not a look at how great Mitt Romney is story. This is a look at how low the bar is story. Mitt Romney is clearly saying I would not support Trump even if he were the nominee in twenty twenty four. It's going to be hard to to knock him off as our nominee. If he became a nominee, I think he loses again. And um,
1: would you support him if he's the nominee?
0: Absolutely not. Uh, and I mean, I get asked that. I mean, I, and I, <laughs> look, I, I I voted to remove him from office twice. So uh, <laughs> uh, I knew what your answer was going to be, kind of, but I had to ask you. <laughs> but the answer is, and it's and it's not just because he 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 loses. I mean, that's that's my reason that I offer to other people who are big uh, fans of his. But but it's also he's uh, he's simply not a person who ought to uh, have the reins of the government of the United States. Okay, very, very clear. Romney says it's not just about I'd rather a different nominee if he's the nominee. I'm not voting for him. Compare and contrast this with some of the more spineless people in the Republican Party. William Barr, William Barr, one of Trump's former attorney general's attorneys general, said uh, this guy was a threat to democracy. All these horrible, horrible things. But I don't know. I mean, if it's a Democrat, I might still have to vote for him. Listen to this.
2: Well, I certainly have made it clear. I don't think he should be our nominee and I'm going to, you know, support somebody else for the
1: nominee. But if he is the nominee and you have your choices, Donald Trump or whoever's running on the Democratic side, would you vote for him?
2: Uh, because I believe that the, the greatest threat to the country is the progressive agenda being pushed by the Democratic Party. It's right. inconceivable to me that I wouldn't vote for the Republican nominee.
0: Wow. Wow. Threat to democracy. Dangerous. No business has no clue what's going on. But I mean, a de- Savannah, please, a Democrat. I'm not going to vote for a Democrat. That would be even worse. And then Mitch McConnell, even who Trump has called his wife, I don't remember if Trump called his wife ugly, but he certainly called her different names, has attacked him as a rhino, just up and down, slamming McConnell, even McConnell. What was it? Ten days ago when he was asked, he played coy with it and didn't rule it out
3: in light of what you said, that there's no room in your party for anyone who harbors these anti Semitic views. If Donald Trump wins the Republican nomination, would you support him?
4: Look, let me just say again, there is simply no room in the Republican Party for anti-Semitism or white supremacy, and that would apply to all of the leaders in the party who will be seeking
0: offices. There you go. So even Mitch McConnell not ruling it out, the bar is very low. And Mitt Romney has exceeded that bar. Make sure that you are subscribed to The David Pakman Show YouTube channel. It is free, unlike with voting in elections. If you have five Google accounts. You can subscribe five times to the YouTube channel and I encourage you to do it. Let's get to to, to two million. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Our sponsor, Magic Spoon, is the breakfast cereal that tastes amazing, but without the sugar, carbs and the crazy ingredients. Magic Spoon has taken your favorite childhood cereals and brilliantly transformed them into something you can feel good about eating because each serving has zero grams of sugar under five net carbs and is packed with 13 grams of protein. So it'll work for keto and low carb. But it's really perfect for anyone who wants the occasional sweet, crunchy treat without the sugar. Their portfolio of eight plus unique, delicious flavors allow you to never get bored. My favorite is maple waffle, but they've got the classics like cocoa, fruity, frosted, also cinnamon roll blueberry muffin. Our entire team has been eating magic spoon for years. We love it. But if you don't, they send you all your money back. It's really easy. Magic Spoon has been supporting The David Pakman Show for a long time. They always give my audience five dollars off when you go to magicspooncom spoon slash and use the code Pakman. You can just tap the link in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H-E-L-P show. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show does depend truly on the support of our viewers and listeners through the membership program. Now, there is a particular person, his name is Alex Jones. He hates the entire membership thing.
2: Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Yeah. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad.
0: I consider it an endorsement that Alex Jones hates it. And I encourage you to sign up at joinpacman.com let's go to our audience and hear from some of you such an important week covid recovery of mine the Herschel Walker loss in Georgia and so many important things I want to hear from you we take calls via discord at davidpackman.com slash discord and we are going to start today with Chuck from Pennsylvania Chuck what is on your mind today
3: Uh, Can you hear me, David?
0: I can. Loud and clear, my friend.
3: All right, cool. Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, I I, my faith in humanity or the U.S. has been slightly restored with the uh, the Walker
0: loss. Has it Um, really, though? Because he almost won. You know what I mean? It's like I get I'm with you in the sense that (laughs) if we imagine an America today with Senator elect Herschel Walker and then we we say, oh, we avoided that. Of course, that, that that's good. But the guy almost won. Like that's extraordinarily depressing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, like you said, it's, it's depressing at the same time. Cause I don't know how many, he got like, he got like 2 million votes and, and he only won by like, what was it? 48, 51% yeah. the split or something like yeah, that. Something so, like that. but uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, slightly, but still depressing. Um, but no, it's sort of like a food for thought or just like something that I've thought about. Like, so, you know how, like, the right, um, they're they're against all of the electric car, like, any push for green energy, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, they want to stick in their traditional ways. Um, so, I've thought about, like, in, you know, 50, 100 years, however many years, I don't know, but do you see maybe, like, the Republican Party becoming, like, the sort of like a small group, almost like the Amish, where they're kind of just shunned because they're stuck in their ways—
0: and, uh, like you know, total technological <laughs> Luddites or something.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just, they're still using their diesel trucks and using coal f- to burning coal for energy in their small little community and they're stuck in their religious ways. Listen, um, it's not
0: impossible cool. because think about it. You know, they're against all sorts of, um, medical research that certainly is going to lead to advancements. And it's totally plausible that they will sort of shun taking availing themselves of some of that. We're seeing it with vaccines already. Right. They're all we see this huge anti-vax movement. So they're already self-selecting, selecting selecting out there. They seem to love just burning gasoline in their vehicles for, for whatever reason. And they consider it manly and culturally relevant and whatever else. So maybe they will resist that as well. The way I think it might happen is at a certain point, it seems the direction things are going is that new vehicles sold will have to be electric. But like if you can keep an existing, um, if you can keep an existing uh, ice vehicle on the road, then you can keep driving it or something. So it, it almost it might become kind of like how in Cuba, because of the embargo, a lot of the cars are really, really old, the American cars, and they just have to keep maintaining them because that's what they have. It might end up being something sort of like that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they may end up being forced with like the car thing because once they get older, you know, there won't be parts for the old ICEs and they'll all be electric or something like that. But I mean, even just as far as like you what you were saying with like medicine and stuff, like I know, like the Amish communities now, like they don't go to regular dentists and stuff like right. some of them. So like they all end up like their teeth rot out and stuff. So I don't know. It was just something I kind of thought, uh, kind of like, a. It's all I, I see
0: similarities, sort of thing. Yeah, I I absolutely do, and I don't think it would become listen to become like the Amish. It's going to take a much 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 longer time. Um uh, yeah. But uh, the idea of it, I completely understand. Yep, that that was all I had though. All right, Chuck from Pittsburgh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Very powerful phone call. I appreciate it. Just as a reminder, if you want to get on to talk to me. In the discord, your nickname has to be your name and where you're calling from or where you're calling from and your name, Uh, all of the different nicknames that are in there. You are self selecting out because it's just not the right format. Very, very important to understand. Let's go to is it Lewis from New Brunswick or or Lois? It's just cut off. I apologize. Something with an LO from New Brunswick. Oh, good afternoon, David. It's Louie. Uh, Louie. Welcome. What's on your mind today? Oh, I just want
5: to thank you. I love your show. Thank um, you. Been listening listen for a long time. Pleasure. Uh, a couple months ago, you had a piece with author Jefferson Morley. He's, yes. He's known for JFK Research and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, my question for you is, do you think the, uh, the government's response to the JFK case, which a lot of, I guess, polls show that a lot of people are a little skeptical on the official conclusions. Uh, do you think that's fueled all of this recent? Uh, I, I don't know how to say it. Uh, destabilization with like conspiracy theories and just lack of like general consensus.
0: You're saying is the lack of credibility of the government's position on the JFK assassination fueling other modern conspiracy theorism?
5: Yeah. Do you think it like it, it, it like laid a a groundwork that we haven't really reap the full of, uh, you know, damage of until now. I don't
0: think so. I don't think so. I mean, there's interesting stuff going on with JFK right now. In fact, I I recorded a TikTok earlier this week, which we're going to publish. And Jefferson Morley wrote about recently how on December 15th, I believe it is, is the deadline imposed a year ago by the Biden administration to release a whole bunch of new documents. And we'll see about the JFK assassination and we'll see if they are or aren't. And there are some who are saying this is going to be an incredible bombshell or something like that. I don't know. I don't think that the no, I I don't think that the JFK assassination specifically um, has much to do with with modern conspiracism. I think it's lack of critical thinking, social media echo chambers, people who don't know how to think for themselves and evaluate claims, lack of mm-hmm. epistemological skills. I, I think it's all of that, really.
5: Oh, interesting. All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the call.
0: All right. Louis from New Brunswick. Thank you very, very much for the call. Let's go to Grant from Ohio. Grant. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hey, David, Um, I was just wondering if you could
5: give your thoughts because um, I don't think you've talked about it yet about the Biden and um, his administration not siding with the railroad uh, unions when I believe all they wanted was paid sick leave. and. Uh, there was an interesting interview. I think Jake Topper did a pretty good interview with uh, Pete Buttigieg and a couple of days uh, grilling him on it. But um, I just find it kind of hypocritical because Biden says he's the most pro union and labor president in our lifetime, but yet he's not signing with the railroad workers when all they want is paid sick leave.
0: So listen, a lot of that was happening as I was sort of falling into my. COVID uh, uh, period. And so I did not follow the story as closely as I would have liked. But my understanding of the Biden position on this was, listen, they're not getting everything, but they're getting a bunch of stuff they want. And it's really important to prevent the strike. Now, you can take the position that the Biden administration should not be forcefully working in any way to prevent a strike, particularly if they claim to support both unions and workers rights to strike. And I am very sympathetic to that idea. But it seems that the argument that the Biden administration is making is if this strike were to happen, here are all of the ways in which it would be a disaster for different aspects of the American people because of the reliance that is that is taking place on railroads and a lot of their demands were met. And so we think that they should not strike. But I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that it's a government overreach to actually prevent the strike.
5: I agree with that, too. And it's also frustrating when these CEOs and, and like the leaders of these railroads are making record profits, too. And um, yeah, I, I just think it's frustrating.
0: It is absolutely frustrating. There's no doubt about that.
5: All right. Well, that was all. Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks, Grant. There is Grant. We will next go to Samer from Metro Detroit. Welcome to the program. Am I con- pronouncing that correctly? Uh Samer. Samer. Okay, apologies. What's on your mind today, Sam? know no Uh so I had a
3: basic question. So I know you've been on uh Fox News before. Would yes. you ever go back on and debate Tucker Carlson? <laughs> sure, on his show.
0: I mean, here's the thing: when people ask me, "Would you debate X, Y, or Z person?" It's like, yeah, but about what? You know what I mean? The the thing about these debates sure. is, and in particularly on the Tucker show, like I would do the Tucker thing just for the publicity because it would be great publicity. But they set you up to fail. They give you an absurdly limited amount of time in general and then limit the amount of time that you're able to speak. You're given. They can talk overview because of over you because of how the microphones are configured. You're set up with extremely narrow and unfairly framed questions like it's very difficult to show up and come off looking like you really achieved anything, you know, but for the publicity and for the story, I assure I would do it. But, But the other question is about what, you know, like, for example. What should U.S. policy be on Ukraine, Russia? I'm not an expert in that issue. You know, I follow the story and try to be as informed as possible. But it, it's it's also about like, what are we going to talk about? You know, the Twitter files might be a more interesting story. You know, we, we do much more media type stories and the Twitter files is a big media story where it was billed as this bombshell and it flopped. And uh, so so would I debate him? Sure. But it would have to be a topic that makes sense.
3: Yeah, that that sounds about That's pretty uh yeah, it makes sense. Um one other question yeah. uh so you I know you drive a Tesla right now and you said you're not going to get another one when you return your lease. That's right. What what are you looking at in the as your next vehicle?
0: Uh I'm not really looking yet. I mean uh I'm I'm going to stick with electric, but I think it'll be based sure. on what's available at the time and Depending on when I get out of the lease, you know, if an opportunity appears to get out of the lease without having to pay forty five hundred bucks, which is what I'd have to pay right now, um, I would do it sooner. But I know that in twenty three, there's new vehicles coming with longer ranges. And so I'll just have to evaluate what's available at the time.
3: I I just know that lead times are pretty uh, I work in automotive. So I know that yes. is, it's really, really difficult to get a vehicle right now. That is also true. If
0: I wait, or, or if I wait, one. they might say, well, it's going to be nine months or longer before we can even get you the car. Yeah. So I, I don't honestly, I don't know yet. OK, well, that's all. Thanks for uh, answering the questions. All right, Samer. Thank you very, very much for the call. We're going to go next to J.D., right? J.P. Mandel, J.D. from Little Rock. You're on the air. Hey, David, can you hear me? I can. You're a little low, but I'll try to pump you up.
4: I can speak up a little bit. Um, Hey, I just wanted to call in. I work for a power power utility in Little Rock, um, and we just got some interesting information regarding the North Carolina uh, substation sabotage. Okay. Um, We just got a bulletin from the Electricity Information Sharing and Analysis Center. Um, apparently on December 3rd there were three ballistic attacks at the North Carolina in North Carolina that have occurred at two substations. Um, the attacks were targeting specific um, aspects of the substation that would lead these this authority to believe that they were targeted specifically to do that, um, to take these substations down. Um, the attacks were all with the same kind of caliber weapons. And they stand out because they're uh, different than what um, some of the past attacks we've seen. Apparently, six different substations have been attacked this year in the United States. But um, they kind of indicate that those were more seeming to be lone wolf and just kind of general vandalism, um, while these attacks in North Carolina seem more orchestrated.
0: Um, Okay, well, we will we will look into it. I have not been following the story closely, but let me investigate. All right.
4: Sure. Uh, just uh, just real quick, uh, the it states that the, they they have low confidence that the motivations were motivated by a mix of ideologies and extremist content and the links that they provide um, provide past articles about uh, links to neo-Nazi terrorism and white supremacist terrorist plots targeting power grids.
0: OK. All right, J.D., thank you very much for the call. No problem. Okay. So there's an update, a very, very important update. Let's go next to Lucas from Massachusetts. <laughs> Lucas, welcome to the program. Hey. hey, David, I hope you're
6: feeling better.
0: I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah.
6: Glad to hear it. Okay. So here's what I was going to talk about. Please. On The treadmill yesterday I had a treadmill thought I noticed that this disinformation is a lot like the COVID virus and that we will never eradicate it. We can take measures to bring it un- under control and we should. But doing zero zero like zero COVID isn't sustainable. If that makes any sense, I'd love to hear what you think.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, but nobody's doing zero covid anymore. I don't know. I mean, indiv- like, sure, I'm well, I'm friends with some- did for a while. Yes. Right. Uh, but uh, when I look on Facebook, I still see a few people I'm friends with who seem to be saying we should be doing something close to zero covid and everybody wear masks forever, everywhere and all this different stuff. It It's just not going to happen, you know, and, and I try to focus my conversations on Harm reduction, minimize issues, etc, and I do think that we we just have to be sort of realistic, but yeah, you can only do I mean, listen, way more Republicans died we now know because way fewer Republicans got the vaccine. what were we going to force them to get vaccinated? Yeah. no, but it's it's like you, you provide the information, you do what yeah. you can,
6: yeah, but like with disinformation i I know you support media literacy courses, and I agree, yeah, I just think it's very important because you're not suppressing all the possible disinformation, like not cut a off the internet would not be worth it. But, um, media literacy would really work almost like a vaccine. Yeah. I don't know. I you're you're hopefully
0: sense. inoculating people from falling for fake yeah. news.
6: Yeah. And like, never got a media literacy course at school. Cause I'm out
0: of high school now
6: and right. college, but um. Yeah, that's just what I wanted to say. And like I said, glad you're feeling better Thank and you. I enjoy the show.
0: Lucas powerfully said, I appreciate the call.
6: All right. Take care.
0: All right. You too. We're going to take a quick break, but we're still taking calls. So if you're holding on to talk to me, don't hang up and then we'll get right back to the phones in a moment. Our sponsor, Real Paper, makes toilet paper 100 percent from bamboo, never from trees, meaning no deforestation, sustainability and climate change can be a tricky topic for people of all ages. It can be particularly challenging to talk about with kids. And Real Paper recently launched The Little Lemur's Box, a 24 pack of their bamboo toilet paper with a beautifully illustrated kids book. That tells an exciting story of sustainability. The box is designed to spark creativity in kids, create an opportunity to talk about deforestation, plastic pollution in a way that's light and easy. And with the holidays here, the book makes a great gift for a little one on your list. Real Paper's Little Lemur's Box and all of the other products are available in easy, hassle free subscriptions or just simple one time purchases on their website. All orders are conveniently delivered to your door with free shipping. In this is the best part, 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. Go to realpaper.com/lemur and sign up for a subscription using code Pacman at checkout to get 30% off your first order and free shipping. That's r e e l paper.com/lemur code pacman gives you 30% off and free shipping the info is in the podcast notes let's go back to the phones by which i mean discord we take calls on fridays at davidpacman.com/discord we are going to go next to julian in new york city julian what's going on
7: hey david i just um well a couple of weeks ago i heard your interview with anand geerdardas and the the persuader's book which i anand on, on 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 it. Excuse
0: yeah, me. I guess the emphasis is at the beginning. Yeah, I got I got it on two off the air with him. Anand, Anand, Anand. 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 Yes, Anand.
7: Wonderful. Well, he, I mean, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic interview. It Thank you. Really, I thought, you know, one of your best in the past year. But I read his book, The Persuaders. Yeah. And one of my favorite sections was um, Democratic messaging or about Democratic messaging mm-hmm. with the recent um wins in the Senate, you know, the expanding the majority, all that. Yep. What do we, how do we um, keep pushing Democrats and I guess larger progressive communities to, to keep, cause you know, the messaging is an issue. It's still an issue. We oh, have, yeah. we won, but we, we still have this huge problem that is sort of like a, I don't know, it's like a virus that, that doesn't seem to, you know, I guess my question is where is going to, how do we build this incentive To keep pushing our community in the right direction.
0: Well, listen, when you say the messaging, are you talking about messaging from elected Democrats or from people ancillary to the Democratic Party like progressive activists or who what messaging exactly are you referring to?
7: I think it starts at the top and then works its way down. I mean, it could start, you know, anywhere from Bernie and then and then kind of flows down. It's this it's this uh, framing things uh, conceding these crazy um, made up p- points that Republicans say about either the border or whatever.
0: Well, give then, me an example of that. So like whether it's Bernie or whatever, what's, what's a point that the left has conceded on the border?
7: Like Republicans will say, okay, they're, they're, are you know, so many Im- um, illegal immigrants are crossing the border. And then Democrats will say, we're going to, we're going to, be just as strong on the border but we're also going to make sure that new jobs and and stuff is being so you know like in uh encountering that point they're not they're not um they're conceding that they're that, that they too we too want to be strong at the border and that, yeah, I, guess that's I mean, I think one that's example. a good
0: example because there's an opera. So there, there's two different issues here. It's the the reason why it's really hard to say here's the way to frame this. And I'm not a framing guy. You need to, the truth is you need to figure out what would actually be effective here. There's like three different issues at the border that are from a rhetoric standpoint and a propaganda standpoint. One is the story that the day Trump left and Biden took over, something dramatically changed at the border that now allows a free flow of undocumented immigrants over the border. That, that didn't happen. Right. So that like that's one issue that you have to deal with. Number two is the issue of it is because of Republicans getting in the way that significant immigration reform hasn't been done. A lot of low hanging fruit could have been dealt with. DACA could have been dealt with with a path to, to, to citizenship for those who came here when they weren't even adults. They were just brought here by parents. It's Republicans who have gotten in the way of, of that to some degree because they they see, oh, we don't want to give Democrats that victory or whatever the case may be. So there, there's that issue as well. And then number three, there's the Republican. I don't know what to call it, but it's Oh, there's an election coming up. Well, then we should talk about caravans. And then all of a sudden the day after the election, we don't mention caravans anymore. And there's an election coming up. We got to talk about violent crime by undocumented immigrants the day after the election. They don't talk about it anymore. So there's that brazen um, uh, hypocrisy when it comes to when they even claim to care. It's a lot to deal with. I don't have the right messaging on it. I don't know.
7: Yes. Yeah. And I guess to sort of surmise what I'm what I'm trying to say is it's it feels like we're always playing catch up with the messaging. They say something, they state something, it could be blatantly false. And then we don't even you know disprove it. We just go with it. And, and yes, and rather than um, really putting our foot down. And and so with the recent wins that I just I just want to make sure that we keep a pressure on. I agree
0: with you. you know, I just Alexa don't fitness. know who it is that is well positioned. Like maybe it's Anand. I don't know to give some advice about what should the language be around some of these issues to fight the Republican framing, which is so dishonest and inaccurate.
7: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, David. Hope you man.
0: All right. Great to. uh, Great to hear from Julian in New York City. Why don't we go next to oh, I don't know. How about uh, Rose calling from the United States? God bless the United Chase Rose, Rose. Welcome to the program.
1: Hey, David, um, I owe you an apology for last time. Um, that sounds great.
0: I, Let's start there. What did, What did you do wrong?
1: Um, I interrupted you a bit while you are talking. I have ADHD, an and sometimes I it, I do that. Um, All right. We're talking about space, uh, so um, here's uh, here's my point. Like, I've been feeling more and more that we're hurtling towards a future that most of us aren't even prepared for. Mm. Uh, let alone dreaming, dreaming about. So um, are you aware about like the uh, general risk profile around nuclear proliferation?
0: Yeah. In fact, I recently read the book Precipice by Toby Ord, wherein he talks about existential risks to homo sapiens and devotes quite a bit of time uh, to to sort of a, a, a nuclear. Um I don't know what you would even call it a, a nuclear holocaust for lack of a better term, yes, so I, to some yes. degree, I've read about it, yes
1: so um there's been back in the 1960s, there was this project called the Enith Country Project, um, where they gave two uh, grad students, one of them left, and so it was in three three grad students in total, um recently graduated, almost no experience, a library and access to basic technical help and basic calculations. Uh, This was 1960, so that meant computer time. And asked them to come up with a working schematics for an implosion style device. This was like the uh, the bomb used in Nagasaki, the Fat Boy. Uh, it's like a sphere of plutonium, and explos- there's explosive lenses around it, and the uh, explosion goes off in like precise nan- nanosecond timing, yeah. and it like compresses the sphere into a tiny ball and causes fission, and then boom. Um, yeah. They managed to create a working uh, model from scratch um, in two and a half years. They created a working schematic from two and a half years. It was meant to see if how long would it take a nation state to do this, the nth country, Um, at a time only the US and the USSR could do it. uh, Most of the information needed to build a weapon like this has always been open source. It's like 80-year-old technology. But the constraint has always been the materials. But now it feels like it's getting easier and easier and easier to do it. I was just playing with chat GPT. Yes. And I managed to get it to do certain things, um, including um, automatically generate certain things related to uh, this technology, uh, one might say, that it would have ordinarily taken me um, uh, weeks of research to do. And it Rose, did it I'm not seconds. sure
0: I know what you're saying, and I'm not sure if there's a question. Are you saying that you were a- in a conversation with this chat bot chat GPT? You were able to get information from it, which presumably it sourced from available information about how to build a nuclear device. Is that what you're saying?
1: It, it synthesized it. it. It took what would have been like weeks of synthesis and did it in ten seconds.
0: Understood. And then it kind of like spat out information about how such a such a device might be built. Uh,
1: yeah, the dimensions of different parts and so on, like how to calculate the dimensions it wrote code for it and so okay. um, and how to simulate it. Um, I I feel like a lot of the conversation that I've had with conservatives and so on, and then the future that they imagine, um, it is really disconnected with the future that we we have and the future that I'm seeing coming. Like when I saw that, it actually really shocked me. So yes. I, I had this moment of future shock, you know, like I that was it. my moment. I
0: get it. Rose, did, did you have a question today?
1: Yes. Uh, what do you feel about this? Is, is there a way to bridge that disconnect? Is this is there a
0: which disconnect are you referring to?
1: Uh, Between most people in the future that is coming and just trying to convey to them that, hey, the stuff we're fighting over... It's it's not exactly the most prosaic of issues.
0: No, I don't. I don't have any insights as to how one might do that. I mean, we all there's I've talked before this idea where, you know, if we made first contact with an intelligent alien species, all of a sudden we would all realize that our earthly problems are really quite meaningless in the grand scheme of things and finding other intelligent life and war would end. And then, you know, I've spoken to enough scientists who say, yeah, that wouldn't really happen. It would sort of maybe temporarily do that. And then things would go back to the exact same same uh, debates and disagreements that we have. And and people can't uh, sort of more permanently um, uh, be, be uh, in in that mindset. So I don't have any great insights as to as to how to connect people with the potential future we're hurtling towards. I wish I did.
1: Thank you so much. And I shall read the book. Thank you.
0: All right. Uh, there is Rose. Very, very important message and making a lot of different claims, I would say. Let's go next to Manuel from Florida. Welcome to the program, my friend.
2: Hello, David. Hello. It has been a long time, but yes. it's nice to, to speak to you again.
0: Mm hmm. Thank uh, you.
2: Let's see. I've been thinking about. Sort of the direction of what is like popular sentiment in America, and it feels like the next generation. Is overwhelmingly more liberal, more progressive. Um, I I can't I can't cite that right now. I don't have it off the top of my head. But but you you are right.
0: Generally speaking, each successively younger generation is more progressive than the previous. For now, that continues to hold true.
2: Yeah. And but there's also like a lot of the things that the conservative side of the spectrum like hold on to are, are really old like traditions right they go back a long time yes so it you'll always have that that in some capacity you know whether it's small or big uh, on that side of the spectrum but do you think they would ever be i don't know like i don't see it ever going away but do you think it'll come back like do you think for example christian nationalism that it'll truly grow to be popular or will it always stay a kind of this small niche? I don't thing?
0: think any prediction I could make about that would be worth a penny. I mean, really, humans are so terrible at making these types of predictions. And this is why when Trump was using the line during his 2020 I think it was in 2020, he would say we will never be a socialist country. Maybe we will. I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be going in that direction right now. But how can we say the U.S. will never be a socialist country 500 years? A thousand years, if the U.S. is still around, maybe it will be a socialist country. That being said, right now there's no socialists in power, so it's not going to happen anytime soon. So I, I would be very hesitant to make any. Maybe Christian nationalism will. Maybe we will be a a, a fully legal Christian theocracy at some point in time. I don't know. I, I would hesitate to make any of these never contra, uh, uh predictions.
2: Yeah. No, I feel that. I mean. This is, you know, kind of a whataboutism. But it, it, I don't know. I, I was just thinking about it because you, you see a lot of people say that Christian nationalism is a threat. So I wonder, like, is it a threat in so far as it could become popular, or is it just a threat in as this small group of people can be very dangerous?
0: I think it depends um, on who you ask and exactly where and what year it is. But I, I think it's fair to say that Christian nationalism is a threat in the sense that it threatens the America that the founding fathers created. That's it's a threat in that sense. And then is it a practical and imminent threat? Well, there is a group that if they took power would make Christian theocracy a reality. Right now, they thankfully don't have that power, but they are certainly a threat in that they want more power. So it's just about better defining what we mean by threat, if that makes sense.
2: No, yeah, that that does make sense. Yeah, I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on on that. So I appreciate it again.
0: Well, I appreciate I the call one. very much. Things are okay in Florida.
2: Oh, things are great. I good. mean, the weather's epic right now. We're looking at like seventy degree weather. Good. Feels like I'm in California. So yeah. Well, I'm
0: hoping to get down soon and reschedule this appearance with Patrick Bet David that I was supposed to do. And uh, yeah, before you know it, I might be back in Florida. OK,
2: awesome. Yeah. I have good. a Cuban sandwich while
0: you're here. Have a what? Right. A Cuban sandwich. Cuban. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about yeah. that. Let's talk about the pork later. All right. OK, Manuel, thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it. That does it for today. We're done for the day with live calls. Appreciate everyone I was able to speak to. And we will take live calls again. I love reading. I read every day. No matter how I arrange my schedule, I never have enough time to read all the books that I want, which is why Blinkist has been such an important part of my life for years now. Our sponsor Blinkist is the app that takes thousands of nonfiction books, boils them down into an explainer that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes, which includes all the most important takeaways from the book with Blinkist. I can absorb the essence of 15 different books in an afternoon so I can quickly gather insights from all sorts of perspectives, make connections, have those kind of aha moments that don't happen so easily, which is why I feel enriched when I use Blinkist Blinkist also summarizes episodes of popular podcasts into 15 minute explainers. And with the Blinkist Connect feature, my girlfriend and I can share one account, share books, podcasts with each other, talk about them on the go. And don't forget, Blinkist makes the perfect holiday gift. My audience can try Blinkist free for seven days and get 25 percent off after that. Go to blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. All right, let's get to the email mailbag for the week. If you have something to say and you feel like it's worth me checking it out, you can email info at davidpacman.com. Sometimes we will grab a YouTube comment here or there, or a Twitter reply, or a Facebook post, or whatever the case may be, but not this week. This week it is all bona fide emails. The first coming from Chris. In fact, I received a number of beautiful messages and some trolling about my covid illness, which spread through the house like a virus, which it is. Uh, Last week, Chris said, sorry to hear about your covid illness. I hope you get better soon and have no long covid effects. I got it back in August for the first time. And luckily, my sickness wasn't too bad other than a headache for a day. Thanks for everything you do. And I wish you the best for you and your family. Yes, I had it worse than a headache for a day. Um, In fact, there was about a 28 hour period where I was as sick as I can remember being and I got all sorts of different messages. There was someone who wrote to me and said that they put hydrogen peroxide in their throat. Now why am I saying it that way? Because that's the way they wrote it. You can see that message on my Twitter and Instagram. They said they put it in their throat and then something about lemon juice. I didn't do that. I didn't introduce light and heat inside the body. I didn't use bleach or any of that stuff. Um, And fortunately, fortunately. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. It was pretty bad, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. And uh, I appreciate all of the messages from everybody. Sharon wrote in about what is a very contentious topic and about which I have made a decision. And I'm going to ask you to respect that decision. You don't have to like it, but I am going to need you to respect it. Sharon wrote in about interruptions. And Sharon said, Hi, I enjoy watching your show often. Christo Ivalis has a YouTube show. And when he shows a political clip, we see only the clip on the screen. You don't see my mug and he does not share the screen or interrupt. Have you ever gone to see a movie with someone and they talk or try to get your attention during the movie? They ruin the movie. I lose the joy of the moment when there are constant interruptions. It's nerve wracking and I generally end it before the show is over. I so wish you would not interrupt your clips or other featured program. Thanks, Sharon. So listen, I get it. There's two views on this. One is David, shut up. Just play the clip and don't say anything. Start to finish. The other view is I can get the clip elsewhere. The reason I'm watching you, David, is for your commentary. And so manage it the way you want to manage it. I have made the decision because no matter what I do, people complain. If we just play clips, long clips and I don't say anything, a lot of people say it's not even it's like not even really your show anymore. You're just playing a clip. I've made the decision, much like during live streams where we watch a debate or a rally, I will opine. I'm trying to offer something in addition to just being a repeater of clips. And so I completely respect people who don't want to see me or hear from me during clips. There are lots of clipping services and Twitter users who will just post clips and no commentary. I've made the decision for the show, for what the show is, that I will use my discretion and sometimes you'll see my face during a clip. And sometimes you will hear me say things and I will try to strike the right balance as always with peace and love. You know, I I will try to strike the right balance and do everything that everybody wants me to do the best possible way. But there are going to be interruptions because that's the format of the show. And maybe Christo Ivalis has decided on a different format. And that's a beautiful thing. We can all have our formats and we love you, Sharon. That's the important thing. We receive the commentary with absolute peace and love. Jason wrote in and said, I think the left is in trouble writing with the absolute disaster. The Republican Party has become more and more people in my social circle are voting Democrat. Do you believe that as more people move over to the left, that the left as a whole is in danger of becoming more centrist? Thanks for uh, taking the time to read the question and for producing amazing content. No, I don't actually I I just don't believe that's happening because there's two things that are taking place here. There are people who vote for Democrats. Because. They love the Democratic platform, and there are people who vote for Democrats because they find it to be the better of the two options that have a shot at winning. But the truth is that the Democratic electorate is actually far more to the left of where the elected officials are. So it's already a very centrist represented party. And because of a combination of different factors, including the way districts are drawn and so many different things, what I'm actually seeing is a Democratic Party that at least on paper has continued to move to the left. Now, whether the elected officials move to the left sort of remains to be seen still. But I don't think that that's the case. I also think that this is a sort of temporary aspect where disheartened Republicans who don't like MAGA either don't vote or vote Democrat. I think eventually the Democratic Party is going to figure it out and they're going to get away from MAGA and go back to something else. So I don't believe that that's going to be an issue. I think Democrats should take victories while they can. Sam wrote in about foreign pronunciations and really is not happy with me. Sam said on the November 29th show, you pronounce the word Uruguay. In what I assume to be a Spanish pronunciation accompanied with the phrase Uruguay. Please, folks. is not isn't isn't my audience the best. This makes me wonder when you were talking to your Argentinian friends about American or English people, do you expect your Argentinian friends to pause their native accents and pronounce American names, terms, phrases in an American accent and british names, terms and phrases in a british accent? That's kind of weird, but or is this just an expectation you wield towards native english speakers? For example, if your argentinian friend was to say to you, "I think Donald Trump is even worse than Boris Johnson" in spanish, would you expect them to use american and and uh, british accents for the names? Right? "Yo pienso que Donald Trump es aún peor que Boris Johnson." Um, no, I would not expect them to do that. Listen, it, folks. I'm doing hours and hours of content, and I will interject flavor. And part of the flavor is Americans pronounce Uruguay in what seem like absurd ways. You're a gay. I found. I've, I mean, it's come on. So I'm just. It's just a reminder of the way that it's pronounced. Uruguay. That's all. It's not to be offensive. It's not to criticize anyone. It's not because I expect Argentinian people to do something when they say a British name. It's just a podcast and a YouTube channel. Sam. All right. Let's all take it easy. It's just a little joke. It's sort of like when I will say my birth city of Buenos Aires, I could pronounce it in these mangled American ways, Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires. It sounds sounds almost like a disease. And it is very much not a disease, my friends. Buenos Aires. Um, we're just having a good time. All right, let's not take ourselves too, too seriously. Peter wrote in and Peter asks an important question and says, subscribe is free. Yes, David, to subscribe is free. Is that correct? A membership costs, but to subscribe costs nothing. If that is so, then tell people that this is, reads like a haiku it costs you nothing to click on subscribe. It only indicates you affirm the show. If it costs nothing and you say that over and over and over, you'll reach three million in no time. Subscribe also tells YouTube something positive. Is that also true? Let people know that as well. If I've got it right, let me know. Peter, you have it 100% correct. When you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, it is free. You are affirming the show. And it does tell YouTube something positive, which is recommend this chaps videos to more people. So I say to you today, hit that subscribe button, my friends. It's a very, very important thing. Steven wrote in and says, Hey David, long time listener here. Just something I thought about the other day. Isn't Trump announcing another run kind of like him admitting, but not admitting that he lost in 2020. The whole system is rigged, but also vote for me. If he truly believed that it was rigged, why would he try to run again? Thanks for the time. So th- this is so great because they have answers to all these questions. And it's sort of like a if you stupid answers, stupid, stupid questions sort of thing. You and I might say. If you won in 2020, you can't run again because you can you can only you can only do it twice. You can't do it three times. They say, well, we were the rightful winners based on the will of the people, but they made Biden president. So we, I still get to run. I get to do two terms. They figure that one out. Next one. If it's rigged, why would people vote if people voted in 2020 for you, but they gave it to Biden? Wouldn't it just happen again? Why even bother to run? And then they say we just need to win by enough that they can't rig it. Ah, they have an answer. You know, whenever you think you've got them in a logic pretzel, they always have an answer. Ryan wrote in about gift memberships, one of my favorite topics, and says, hey, David and team, I'm wondering if it's possible to gift memberships to specific people. I thought you mentioned it was a feature when gift memberships were rolled out, but I could be mistaken. Yes. Here, oh, and uh, cheers and hope your daughter is feeling healthier this week. Yeah, she had the easiest run of the COVID. It lasted like 24 hours. It was crazy, actually, how quickly uh, she, she was doing better, faster than everybody. Okay. How to gift a membership to a specific person. You go to joinpacman.com, you sign up, you check that this is a gift button. When you complete the process, there's a pop up and it'll say, Who do you want to send the gift to? You type in their name, you type in their email. Bing, bang, boom. It is that simple, my friends. Very, very easy. Josh wrote in about the white paper. David, sir, great job on the building arguments without burning bridges white paper. Despite being an inherently racist document, that's a joke. The paper provides valuable insights and suggestions for engaging in good faith conversations about difficult topics. I look forward to referencing this document to improve my arguments and methods. Folks, the white paper is available to you for free. You go to davidpackman.com/guide. davidpackman.com/guide. It is free. You type in your email address. We send you the white paper, eight or 10 page document. I should figure out how many pages it is, which contains a treasure trove. This is an original document that we put together on how to have conversations with people with wacky political views, get them to reconsider their beliefs without ruining the relationships. Check it out. We have a great bonus show for you today. You can get instant access to the bonus show by signing up at joinpacman.com. Thank your lucky
2: stars every day.
0: You're not Dave Pacman. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and you can use the coupon code 24 starts now to get yourself a discount. We'll see you then or otherwise back here on Monday.